Good evening, everybody. Do we got everybody in there, Brian? Good. Let's turn our we'll, phones we'll to silent mode. Yeah. yeah, just have a seat. We'll call you up. Right by Dominic. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for tonight's Big Book Study, we're going to have a three-minute silent dish meditation, and we're going to follow that by the fog light prayer. Hi. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Hi, hey, Chris. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. Hello, Mike. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start that meditation in a minute. Does that sound sort of southern or hillbilly? So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or will distract others for the duration of the meeting. Any handheld devices, anything that's going off or swipeable, just go ahead and put that on silent. Coffee areas in the back. If you want some coffee, just be quiet and consider it when you go grab some more. Also, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. For suggestions, some suggestions are focus on your breath. Feel that breath go in through your nose. Hey, feel it go in. Let it sit in your lungs and marinate and bubble around a little bit. And as he does it, let it out with a... Now, in your mind's eye, when you let that air out, sort of imagine that you're sort of got a match or a candle in front of you. You're just sort of flicking with the flame. Did you guys ever do that, smoke pot and play with candles? I know I did. I did, yeah. Almost burned a house down on it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, take this time to get reconnected of God, to God and let the craziness of the day drift away. Ask him to help you stay focused on the study. So we got the lights going down in a moment or two. We got the monks walking in now. Uh, just close your eyes, enjoy your time with God, and we'll see you guys in three minutes. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Start off with the fog light prayer. God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. All right, uh, let's have our secretaries report. We have Tanisha. She's going to come up in secretary. Tanisha. Hi. Hi. My name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Michael to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Hi, I'm Michael, alcoholic. I'm Michael. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Nineteen forty styles big book sponsorship from forward to second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, fifty percent got sober at once and remained that way. Twenty five percent sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the loving, and neither should the sacred approach back to His loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. In the back, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, the little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. <coughs> Mike is ready to make a deal with you. <laughs> We meet every Monday promptly at 7.15, but some of us get here at 5.30 to set up and 6.30 to fellowship. And we ask that you may be courteous and ready to begin at the road to recovery tune. See you next week. Thank you, Tanisha. 
From the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. From their solution, also from the big book, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we've discovered a common solution. We have a way out which we can absolutely agree upon, which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that, yeah, this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all, all who have an interest in alcoholism and our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. And on the anonymity, we have a question-answer period where a microphone goes around. This meeting is recorded, and later on tonight, we edit out any mistakes, last names, and put out to the world as a podcast. So if you don't want your voice out on the Internet, just pass the mic to the person next to you or disguise it really well. Uh, can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the first time? Never been here before. Welcome. Well, what's your name? Hey, Trey. Hey, Mattia. Hey. Welcome, you guys. Glad Welcome. you're here. Can I see a show of hands of the recovered alcoholics in the room? Cool. Without putting your hand down, if your hand's not down or if your hand's not up, you should talk to the folks whose hands are up because they'll get you connected to God and help you get recovered. Did I say that right, Ish? Sure, sure sounds good. <laughs> I better be talking to you. sound like it came out right. <laughs> um, yeah. Possibly. Does anybody need a big book? We have a few loners. Uh, it's best to bring your own. Does anybody, did anybody get past the door without a big book? All right. Nice. Before we begin our study of the big book, last week we reviewed Tradition 7, and tonight we're going to do Tradition 10. So tonight let's take a quick look at Tradition 10. Please refer to the unabridged big book. This is the big fat one, page 562. And if you have one of our loaners, it's on page 177. Ryan's going to read us the short form, the long form, and then give us his idea of what they were trying to get us to do. Hi. Hey, I'm Ryan, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Um, and tonight we're going over Tradition 10, because last week we did Tradition 9. Oh. Yeah. Um, so in the short form, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Um, then in the long form, no AA group or member should ever, in such a way as to implicate AA, express any opinion on outside controversial issues particularly those of politics, alcohol reform, or sectarian religion. The Alcoholics Anonymous groups oppose no one. Concerning such matters, they can express no views, whatever. All right. Um, so while all the traditions are designed to protect AA as a whole, uh, I really feel like this tradition is kind of like a subplot of Tradition 1. Because um, in Tradition 1, we said that personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And what better way to ensure that um, than having no opinion on outside controversies, particularly ones having to do with politics, alcohol reform, or sectarian religion, uh, things which by their very nature are divisive. Uh, it's pretty simple. We have one primary purpose in AA, and that's to help others recover from alcoholism. Uh, and if we were to take a stand on any outside issue, we'd lose our singleness of purpose. Uh, and this isn't to say that individual members aren't entitled to their opinions or beliefs. Um, actually, it's the contrary. We celebrate our, the diversity of our groups. Um, but something we don't do is push our opinions or agendas from a podium. Uh, we don't put forth our views as though they were those of AA. Um, so while Tradition 10 sounds like it's simple enough, uh, it's one that can really put us to the test because true practice of this tradition 
uh, requires to let go of a very specific character defect that I think it's safe to say that we've all struggled with at one point or another, um, and that's pride. When I first came into the rooms of AA, I had an experience that, while I didn't know it at the time, was a perfect example of why this tradition is vital. Um, a bunch of us had gone out to eat and uh, enjoy some fellowshipping after a meeting one night, and it was probably like, like my second or third meeting that I had ever been to, so I was, I was uh, pretty much brand new to the program. Um, and at the time, uh, our country was in the middle of a pretty controversial political election, um, and emotions really ran high because of it. Uh, so at the restaurant we went to, one of the TVs was airing a debate between the two political parties, and this stared up an argument between two people at the table. Um, things started to escalate pretty quickly, and it got more heated, and what started out as a friendly debate uh, was now headed in the direction of a physical altercation. Um, but things got broken up before it reached this point, um, but not before the wheels of my head started turning. Um, that was the point where my disease started talking to me. Uh, was this really something I wanted to be a part of? I didn't sign up for this. Um, so that's what my disease does. It looks for that reason or that, or that excuse to distract me from my purpose. Um, and as a newcomer, I was especially vulnerable to this. Luckily, in the end, some other group members pulled me aside, and they explained to me that the incident was not only inappropriate, but it wasn't AA. <clears throat> um, and they were right. This was an isolated incident. Um, that shouldn't have happened, but fortunately, there were people there that were able to, to talk some sense into me about what Alcoholics Anonymous really is. The fellowship of men and women who seemingly recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. And by the grace of God, I stuck around to see precisely how they recovered. Um, so I'm just going to close off with reading something out of Language of the Heart that I feel like sums this up. <clears throat> Sorry. Our best defense, this surely lies in the formation of a tradition respecting serious controversy so powerful that neither the weakness of persons nor the strain and strife of our troubled times can harm Alcoholics Anonymous. We know that AA must continue to live or else many of us and many of our fellow alcoholics throughout the world will surely resume the hopeless journey to oblivion. And that must never be. So that's all I've got for Tradition 10. Thank you very much. <laughs> Putting the tradition in action in life. That's a, a week later, we were at the same place and there was a baseball game in on and we had more fights started that way. So from this point on, wherever we go, that we have them turn the channel to the home and garden Home decorating section, so there's a lot less arguments at that place, thank God. That was great, Ryan. Thank, thank you, you, Ryan. In order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. So tonight, tonight we've chosen Todd to come up and be a reader tonight. He's never read it for us before, so give Todd a rousing welcome. <laughs> After the page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium, starting at the back of the top of the page we just started. The answer is going to be one sentence unless otherwise specified. Multi-part questions are simply one sentence split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Sometimes these sentences are like really nice, long, run-on sentences. Basically, in English, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through and then re-dissect the information a second time through the question-and-answer format. Please notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. Um, this is important because hearing the question and then rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. 
If you have spiritual experience with this information, you're free to share. If you don't, feel free to listen or ask a question. However, big book study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different setting, i.e. sponsorship or therapy or halfway house meeting, please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short. And Dominic's going to be our enforcer today on that. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study time, so come and chat with us. Get to know us. You know, you can never go wrong by just commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of our co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teachings and practices of the 12 Steps, is the sole purpose of an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. So we are wrapping up the book. We got a couple after this chapter. Actually, tonight we're wrapping up Vision for You, and then next week we jump into Dr. Bob's Nightmare, which is always a great one to end this all, get us ready for the next one. But we, we started 82 weeks ago on page zero, which was? This is the preface and the forewords. We talk about the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting right now, and if I'm going to be going to a lot of these meetings, it would help me to know what the fellowship's all about, what it's based on. And it's based on uh, basically the stockbroker from New York, Bill Wilson, and Dr. Bob uh, discovering these principles, that, and that's the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. So it ends up uh, just talking about how AA kind of sprang from a couple hundred drunks or 67 drunks to a fellowship of millions and 19 million. 500,000 sold worldwide, and then we get into the next chapter, which is written by Dr. Silkworth. Called the doctor's opinion. Now, the forwards and the preference to a non-alcoholic, to somebody who's not familiar with it, sounds like a much to do about nothing. So the doctor's opinion brings out what alcoholism is and what alcoholism isn't. It allows us to determine and start to determine for the next forwards, doctor's opinion, and 50, 48 pages, whether you're a real alcoholic or a problem-heavy hard drinker which is opportunity. So the doctor's opinion starts to explain what alcoholism is, but we don't really know what that looks like, so we have a chapter called... Bill's story. Bill's story is the story of Bill Wilson's life and the progression of his disease and his recovery eventually. Uh, So he gets to some very dark places. He starts off as uh, somebody that's fighting in the World War, and then he gets back. He becomes a stockbroker, becomes a big shot and self-seeker, though, Mm -hmm. also, and and eventually just a low-bottom drunk living at his wife's mom's... It was his mom or his Wife's dad? Wife's mom's brother's uncle's yeah. cousin's house. <laughs> so, yeah, so things uh, went from really good to really bad for Bill Wilson, and then he got out of it through this spiritual solution that his friend presented to him, and he went forward and just spread that message to as many people as he could. And, and the message is a solution to the disease of alcoholism. So we all have a chronic disease. Bill Wilson had that disease. He wrote about and hinted about the solution in his story. And then we got a chapter called Chapter 2. It's, his, it's actually Chapter 2 called There is a Solution. And, you know, who's been to a meeting and say, oh, we're doing that God thing today, right? Oh, there comes that God part of AA and stuff like that. So the whole idea about there's a solution, it introduces what alcoholism is and how a solution based on spiritual change comes into play why we need a spiritual experience why alcoholism can't why real alcoholism can't be dealt with just therapy vision boards uh sharing my problems or fellowship why i continue to drink it explains why a spiritual experience of our nature is required so this there's a solution brings that to life but if you're not a real alcoholic you may not be feeling you need to go to those extremes but just to make sure we know whether you're an alcoholic or not we have a chapter called 
More about alcoholism. Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, starts us off talking about the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking. We talk about the man of 30. He, ha- he falls victim to a delusion that practically every one of the alcoholics falls victim to, which is that my long period of abstinence from alcohol qualifies me to drink as other men. He drinks himself to death within about four years. Then we got a story of Jim, we got a story of the jaywalker, and we got a story of Fred. And these all highlight different parts of the mental obsession component of the disease of alcoholism. So after the, the, and they call that the closer, right? They call that, that puts me in kind of a hopeless place. And I know I need to do a spiritual solution, but if I have a problem with the God idea, then we have another chapter after that. Called We Agnostics. But you brought something up kind of important I left out. In their solution, we're still, in the first part of their solution, we're dealing about the physical aspects, the phenomenon of craving, how alcohol reacts differently in us to different people. But if we didn't drink, we just wouldn't have that problem. And that's where they sneak in the mental obsession is where my brain has been basically rewired through the process of phenomenal drinking. And and I don't have any other way of getting sober by that, by having this spiritual relationship with a higher power that I'm going to be able to choose. But I come into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous with resentments, prejudices and misconceptions about what spirituality and what God is. So we have a chapter called We Agnostics, which allows us to process that old ideas and information and look at from a, at a whole different point of view to become open-minded that maybe the God thing is not that bad when you think about it. So when you finally have that opportunity to have a solution, it's time to do something about that. And we have a chapter called... How it works, how it works outlines what the 12 steps are, and then it gets us into a third step prayer where we actually are going to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I remember when I first read How It Works, that chapter with my sponsor, he had me go on a 10, 15 minute walk and think about what I was about to do before we actually uh, got down on our knees and said that prayer. Because after that, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. The personal house cleaning that's outlined in How It Works is how to write a written inventory, which is going to remove the defects of character that actually block me from this relationship, this consciousness of the presence of a power greater than myself that have kept me sick and suffering for so many years. And then after the fourth step instructions, we have the next chapter. Lots of stuff to do, which is why I guess it's called Into Action. Seven steps crammed into one big chapter. One little big chapter, I guess. You know, in writing out my four-step, it gave me an opportunity to see who I could see that I was. I would start to get a better relationship with God because I'm starting to put a lot of old ideas and resentments and fears to side because I can have this new relationship with God. But I myself alone cannot look at a four-step without minimizing, rationalizing, coming up with little loopholes because that's what people do. So step five is I present it to another gentleman or another person who has the, who I've given them the, op- the, the request of do not hold anything back. Everything you see in this, please tell me what you see. So that's a, f- a fifth step. I see who I really am. Six and seven is the opportunity for me. I myself can't take away my character defects. With a relationship with God, a relationship I'm building with God, those character defects can start to fade away. I'm cool with God. Steps eight and nine is getting me getting ready with all the people I've messed up in life. I, I, can, I can sit in prayer meditation cool with God, but I still got a, half the town that hates me that I owe money to. So steps eight and nine allows me to get contact with those imagine if we didn't have steps eight or nine right bill w he's got a sponsee and he's walking he was he lived on clinton avenue and it's about a four block 
a three city block walk to the subway. So Bill's walking down the street with his new sponsee telling the, how amazing Amer- Alcoholics Anonymous is and sobriety and walking with God. And every time he walks by a store, the booker, the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker come out screaming, hey, Bill W., you low life, where is that? $10 you owe me, you piece <laughs> of old dirt, you know? So how can we go out to the world and tell what a great relationship we have with God if we're not right with mankind in itself? So we get right with those. So the whole purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous is to have a relationship with God. Step 10 allows me to keep that relationship from getting blocked by behaviors building up and causing me to get resentment and fears. Step 11, which is I like to call the brass ring of Alcoholics Anonymous, shows me, gives me directions on how to build a relationship with the God of my understanding. Some basic ideas, some ideas on prayer, a great way to start the day, end the day, go through the day, and how to work with others is coming up because now that I got this gift, I need to pass it off because it's the only way for me to keep it. There's a lot of steps into action, isn't there? I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, so we got working with others. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message and practice these principles in all our affairs. And working with others kind of outlines how to go on a 12-step call, how to have that first conversation with somebody that's actively drinking, actively drinking, and, uh, and, and how do I approach this person? How do I kind of meet their experience with my experience and bring them to the understanding that there is a way out? And uh, it doesn't tell me how to sponsor, but it does tell me how to kind of get into that position. And, so, and also there's some promises in, in working with others. We've got to be willing to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. It might be, mean a lot of things. It might mean my sleep is disturbed. It might mean I have to fight with him if he's violent. And, uh, that's a, have you done that yet? I have, no, I haven't, but... Uh, Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Exactly. I want to visit you in the hospital. Yeah. And, uh, and after working with others, once we've introduced the, the new man to the program of action and the program of recovery, we have... We got actually three chapters that I like to refer to as the pre-Alanon chapters. Uh, when Bill writes a book, he doesn't just randomly grab words and throw them out there. When he writes something, he thinks, what's the purpose of me using those words? So the chapter eight, which is to the wives, is for... Is the wife of so the, the wives, or nowadays husbands, boyfriends, partners, business acquaintances, type people that we have relationships to, which gives us an opportunity to help the wives to get healthy and get reconnected to God. And then we have a chapter called the family afterwards, which is an opportunity for the family to get an idea of what the spiritual life is going to look like, what dad's recovery is going to look like, how they can react to dad, because this is all new. You know, we've been around here for a while. We assume we know what it's going to be like. Imagine the family members; they don't get the faintest idea what we're going on in these rooms. You know? You know? So the family afterwards gives them a little information on that. And the, to the employers, that's sort of like our frontline offensive for us. It's like we, we're, we're giving employers an idea of what alcoholism looks like because that's where they really start to notice us. You know, We start showing up to work drunk. We start showing up. Our business starts to go down. So we're giving some help to the family, to the wives, and to the employers that end up helping us but helps them. As we get our life, I, use, I always like to say that when the old days we'd have the alcoholics working, you know, getting better in, say, the living room of some dude's house back when meetings were really small. And maybe in the kitchen, the pantry, or on the back porch, you got the wives and the family going through the same process, seeking a relationship with God through whatever process they choose so that everybody can Forgive, heal, and flourish. That's the whole purpose of this. So we got a, a chapter now. We're just going to be wrapping up. It's called The Vision for You. I like to read this chapter about two months after I brought somebody from the, through the book to see where they are in this recovery thing. Have they picked up the spiritual toolkit? Are they out living this life? Are they helping others? Or have they gone back to just hanging out with a girlfriend every night and hitting a meeting every once in a while and they're not doing anything for anybody else? It's not a slap in the face. It's a wake-up call. There was a reason God got you sober, and this is where we're bringing it. So tonight is going to sort of touch on some of the, the traditions 
you know, how does Alcoholics Anonymous deal with the world at large? With, with the AA becoming really famous through, you know, ad campaigns that weren't even of our own. You know, churches and, and other organizations were selling us to people. And this AA, you got to test it out. So Vision for You is going to wrap up everything we've read pretty much tonight. And uh, we're going to start on page 160. The top full paragraph, which would be the very top one, starts with the word outsiders, right? Yes, sir. And are you, is your mic working? Just talk. Test? Yes. Good. Hi. You can start now. Todd, alcoholic. Hey, Todd. Hey, Todd. Outsiders became interested. One man and his wife placed their large home at the disposal of this strangely assorted crowd. This couple had since been become so fascinated that they have dedicated their home to the work. Many a distracted wife has visited this house to find loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem, to hear from the lips of their husbands what had happened to them, to be advised how her own wayward mate might be hospitalized and approached when next he stumbled. Many a man, yet days from his hospital experience, has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside, who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely when, later, in an upper room of this house, he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with this own. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place, conspired to let them know that here was haven at last. The very practical approach to his problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they had could by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance and his family. They knew they had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles and one was to come to them. They had visioned the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors, for they number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals, cleaning up old scraps, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money, and securing jobs for each other. When justified, these are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or sunk too low to be welcomed cordially, if he means business. Social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are laughed out of continents. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? Under one slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many eastern cities. In one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addiction. Six years ago, one of our number was a patient there. Many of us have felt, for the first time, the presence and power of God within its walls. We are greatly indebted to the doctor and tenants there. For he, although it might prejudice his own work, 
has told us of his belief in ours. Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. Many of us former patients go there to help. Then, in this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you, where you may now see scores of members. There are the same fast friendships. There is the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. There is a good bit of travel between East and West, and we foresee a great increase in this helpful interchange. Someday we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. To some extent, this is already true. Some of us are salesmen and go about. Little clusters of twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. Through contact with our two larger centers, those of us who travel drop in as often as we can. This practice enables us to lend a hand, at the same time avoiding certain alluring distractions of the road, about which any traveling man can inform you. Mm. Thus we grow, and so can you. Though you be but one man with this book in your hand, we believe and hope it contains all you will need to begin. We know what you were thinking. You were saying to yourself, I'm jittering alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you've just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we've accomplished in only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. We know of an AA member who is living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. Fort Lauderdale? <laughs> This was only a few days ago at this writing, 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. When a few men in the city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had this opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And ask him in your morning meditation when you can do each A for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Great. So we're going to start asking some questions over on page 160. 
Do you want to run around or do you want to answer questions? Because you're so good at that. Whichever you prefer. You want to do questions? Sure. Thank you, because you're good at that. Right. I get distracted and forget where we're at. Okay. So you can go sit down now. Give a round of applause for some good reading. Thank you. That's the longest read we've had in a while. So we're going to start our study from the top of page 160, the first full paragraph where it says outsiders. Uh, and I'm going to ask a question. Who became interested in what the alcoholics were doing? Outsiders became interested. What did a man and his wife do to support the alcoholics? One man and his wife placed their large home at the disposal of this strangely assorted crowd. Comment. The couple was Clarence and T. Henry Williams, non-alcoholic members of the Oxford group. What did they do with their home? This couple has since become so fascinated that they have dedicated their home to, to the work. What has many a distracted wife found at the Williams' home? It's a long sentence. Many a distracted wife has visited this house to find loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem, to hear from the lips of their husbands what had happened to them, to be advised how her own wayward mate might be hospitalized and approached when next he stumbled. I like the fact that back in those days, it was a family solution to a family problem. Amen. Next paragraph. What have many alcoholic men found there? Many a man, yet dazed from his hospital experience, has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. What did they come away with? Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. And uh, we have a three-part question. What did he succumb to? With what was he impressed? Where was it that he made that surrender? And when did he surrender? He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. And uh, we got a couple more sentences there. It'll do. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capillated entirely when later in an upper room of his house he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own. Where was it that he made that surrender and when, when did he surrender? What appealing characteristics conspired to let the alcoholic know that there was haven at last? Uh, the expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable indef- something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place, conspired to let him know that there was haven at last. Next paragraph. What did the recovered alcoholics and their wives have that made this irresistible? The very practical approach to his problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were under. Irresistible. How would the newcomer and his wife feel as they left the Williams' home? He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance and his family. What did they then know? Uh, They knew they had had a host of new friends. What Uh, had they seen? They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. What had they envisioned? They had envisioned the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. Thank you, Mike. We got the next paragraph here. At the time of the writing of this book, how many were attending the meetings at the Williams' home? Now, this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors, for they number 60 or 80 as a rule. Where were the alcoholics coming from? Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. 
From surrounding towns, what was happening? From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. How many members came from a community, Cleveland, 30 miles away? A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Since Cleveland was a large place in 1939, what did they anticipate? Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. Next paragraph. Life in AA is more than what? But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. What are some of the other activities? Cleaning up old scraps or scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money, and securing jobs for each other when justified. These are everyday occurrences. We got a two-part question here. Who is not welcomed, and but what is the one requirement? No one is to be discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially, if he means business. What things are laughed out of countenance? Social distinctions, pedal rivalries, and jealousies. These are laughed out of uh, continents. What no longer proved to be of any significance? And this is the rest of the paragraph. Being wrecked in the same vessel and being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. A good day. Next paragraph. What started happening in eastern cities? Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many eastern cities. What was there in one of these cities? In one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcohol and drug addiction. And that's Towns Hospital. How long Start ago was over it? Start again that... from the end, okay? I'm sorry? Okay. How long ago was it that Bill W. had met Dr. Silkworth? Six years ago, one of our number was a patient there. What had many alcoholics experienced at that hospital? Many of us have felt, for the first time, the presence and power of God within its walls. Two-part question. To whom are we indebted, and why is that so? We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. Next paragraph. Every few days, what did Dr. Silkworth do? Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. What did many recovered alcoholics do? Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. What was going on in this eastern city, New York, and did many attend? Many of us, former patients, go there to help. Continued. Then in this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you, where you may now see scores of members. Excellent. What similarity was there to the Akron group? There are the same fast friendships. There is the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. Next question is a two-parter. What was going on between Akron and New York, and what did they foresee? There is a good bit of travel between east and west, and we foresee a great increase in this helpful interchange. Next paragraph. What is our hope? The old switcheroo, huh? Someday we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. 
Was it beginning to happen at the time when this book was written? To some extent, this is already true. What were some of the members? What? Yeah, Rob. Some of us are salesmen and go about. We got a two-part question. What had begun to spring up in other communities, and where were they getting their direction? Little clusters of twos and threes and five of us have sprung up in other communities through contact with our two larger centers. What did members who traveled do? Those of us who travel drop in as often as we can. What two good things resulted from this type of activity? This practice enables us to lend a hand at the same time avoiding certain alluring distractions of the road about which any traveling man can inform you. Next paragraph. So they were doing what? Thus we grow. Next question is a two-parter. <laughs> what can we do and what should you have? And so can you, through you, be but one man with this book in your hand. What did the authors believe? We believe and hope it contains all you will need to begin. Next paragraph. What do we know? We know what you are thinking. <laughs> what are you saying to yourself? Two sentences. You are saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But what? But you can. <laughs> what have you forgotten? You forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. What is required to duplicate what the author has accomplished? To duplicate with such a backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. Read that again, loud and proud. That's important. <laughs> loud and proud. To duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. Willingness, patience, and labor. Thank you. We're on to the next paragraph. Who did they know? We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. Two-part question. How long had he lived there, and what did he find? He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. How long before the writing of this book was it? This was only a few days ago at this writing. And did the authors, did the authorities care? Oh. It's, uh, 163, second paragraph. Did the authorities The care? authorities were much concerned. This man was Hank Parkhurst, the alcoholic who authored Chapter 10. Two employers. What did Hank do? He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. Thank you, Mike. What did the doctor prove to be? The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. Did he check Hank out? So he inquired, what did our friend have on the, on the ball? Next paragraph. Did Hank talk with the doctor? Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Right, so you're going to skip. What arrangements were made? 
Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. Next paragraph. What will our fellow workers soon have? So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Two-part question. What will happen to some of them? And But if our experience is any criterion, how many will make it? Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. But if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Comment. Does it appear that we should try to learn how they worked with the new man? If following the clear-cut directions in this book produce these results, what could we do? Next question. What will happen when a few men try this program? Actually, this is a three-part question. What will happen when a few men try this program? And we'll have discovered what as a result of working with others, and there will be no stopping until what has happened. Three-parter. When a few men in the city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had the opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Next paragraph. But what may you still say? Still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. Can we be sure? We cannot be sure. Two-part question. Who will determine that, and so who must you rely on? This is a miracle. This is three two-part questions for me. Triple winner. (laughs) God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. Who will show you how to have many friends? He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Next paragraph. This book is meant to be what? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. What do we realize? We realize we know only a little. What will God constantly do? God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. The following is the 12th step prayer. Three-part question. When should you ask? How often should you ask for it? And what should you ask for? Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and to countless others. This is the great fact for us. And that was, what is this for us? This is the great fact for us. New paragraph. We should abandon ourselves to whom? Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Comment. Steps three, six, and seven. Admit your faults to whom? So the question is, admit your faults. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Steps four and five. We are clear. We are to clear away what? Give, free, <coughs> give freely of what you find and join us. Okay, we should then do what? Give freely what you join us. This is step 12. Then the last question is, Scott, you're not going to believe it. It's another two-parter. <laughs> How shall we be with you, and where will we meet? Blessed for sure. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. And then it says, may God bless you and keep you until then. Ladies and gentlemen, this Amen. page is open for comment. Uh, anybody have experience with this material? Anybody have something to, to share in response to what we've gone over here tonight? We got through. We got through a lot of the, a lot of the good stuff tonight. They look at this, and they say, "Am I doing this stuff? Am, am I've been given this gift. Am I following through with 
the suggestions and directions in the big book. It's about helping others, but at the same time, it's helping us stay sober. So I tell people, you know, if you're feeling a little miserable, maybe you should go read A Vision for You. If you're not, that doesn't describe what you're doing in your life. Maybe you want to, like, make a change. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to be the boy whistling in the dark saying, you know, I don't miss drinking at all, right? I want to be, I want to be the boy that's happy, joyous, and free, right, in, in vision for you. And I have been both. I've, I've whistled in the dark a little bit. So this was written at the time when there wasn't 762 meetings a week in Broward County or in Southern California, 1,000 meetings a week. This, this was some guy in the middle of nowhere Mine out North Dakota, get sober, and there ain't no other drunks around. He's got to go track them down. He's got to check with ministers. Well, we know drunks, right? But we want to get drunks that we want that know that want to get sober. Like, how many people went to your party, friends that were still partying after they got sober, tried to sober them up? Probably not many. So the idea was they would go to people that somebody did? Yeah, we got a. Oh, you did that? Good. And um, does that mean you want to share too? Good, I like that. So the, the idea is this is directions on how to go out and get people into this program of recovery, how you slowly find people that want this, who to turn to, and how to make your life get better because of that. As an example. Thank you, Mike. Chase. Uh, Alan, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Alan. Um, I think... I mean, my experience with this, this was a lot of material, so there's a lot to, to digest here and to really think about, and that's what I was attempting to do, was digest it. But um, I, I can only speak to, to this guy who, who um, for me, when I got sober, and, and I'm grateful I still have that same passion, um, but in my previous recovery, um, before my relapse, um, I didn't. I was ran by ego. For quite some time, and then when I got some things back, the fuel kind of died off. The passion died off because I wasn't working steps in this book, and I wasn't living with spiritual principles according to this book. And there was a lot of things that were very different. So um, it's no surprise that that's what happened to me. But um, now today, I, I just this gift is so so powerful. Uh, it's so powerful. I was sitting in a memorial service for a woman who started the drug rehabilitation systems in South Florida and through the United States, and um, Claire Madame. And she had uh, 62 years in the program, and they gave her a 63-year medallion, and the room was full. Her funeral service was an AA meeting. And um, I cried the entire service. That was Friday night, you know. And uh, I got – I was just there, and I just watched this lady for 62 years – that fire never burned out. It never burned out. And there was people, person after person after person, just speaking to, um, you know, the lady, the effect that this lady has. And, and my prayer the entire time during that service was, God, please allow me to live a legacy like that, that I give, that I give and that I leave an impact in people's lives when I leave here. So I still have, I still have that desire, and I've tried to get everybody sober that comes around me, even if I think they're alcoholic, you know, um, at times. You know, I've been through that stage. Now, I, d- I certainly am on the side of um, people who want to get sober, you know, because I've wasted a lot of time trying to get people sober who are not interested. Um, and 
you know, having, having the fellowship we crave. I mean, my, my entire life is surrounded by alcoholics. My entire life. Every, you know, every important part of my life is surrounded by alcoholics. And this um, AA has just impacted every aspect of my life. My family, my children, my relationships, my mother. And um, I, I just have an incredible incredible host of of people that i consider friends I, I think the world or people outside of these rooms would consider a few friends and then a lot of acquaintances but i do have a lot of friends because of alcoholics anonymous so those are the, the things that have impacted my life uh, greatly besides this relationship with god thank you alan thanks we got one over here Hey, Ryan, Recovered Alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Um, something that I really like that it says in this is um, down, at the page of, uh, down at the bottom of page 162, it says, Thus we grow, and so can you, though you be but one man with this book in your hand, we believe, and hope it contains all you will need to begin. Um, and then just, this just got me thinking about um, you know, how much, uh, how appreciative I am of the way that I was taken through this work. Um, you know, like, I know that a lot of times, like, it, like for some, and it's, I know it's different for everybody, and that's, that's fine, but, like, I know sometimes, like, people, like, wait till after they have a year to start sponsoring, or, you know, like, it just, like, different things like that, but the way I was taken through it was I was given this information in about, like, a two-and-a-half-month period, and then immediately after that, going out and looking for someone to do the same with, um, and honestly, if I had waited, I wouldn't have made it that far, you know? I was given some information, and that's what this book is. It's just passing that information along to another person. Um, and I definitely thought all of the things that it says below that, you know, like that I wouldn't be good enough or that I, I you know, like that I had nothing to offer. And I mean, basically, it's exactly what it says. All it took was willingness, patience and labor. Um, like, it, ju it just makes me think like if Bill Wilson at six months sober was standing in the Mayflower Hotel like, sitting there thinking that same stuff. He wasn't thinking, like, oh, like, I need to get to, like, like an open discussion meeting. No, he was like, I need to go work with another alcoholic. Um, so that's, that's all I've got. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. We got Rob. Hey, Rob, how are you doing tonight? Good to see you. Great. Hey, uh, Rob, recovered alcoholic. Rob. Here's a few things that, that kind of jump out at me. Uh, on these few pages and I love a vision for you and it is a good gut check and, and, you know, to see how you're doing and where you are in your recovery and does my life look like this? Uh, and if not, why not? Well, God didn't go anywhere. So probably I moved. Um, uh, you know, I was talking about the, the house where they would come and visit and then it said, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than just attending gatherings and visiting hospitals, you know, and it has a little, paragraph there and then it says being wrecked of the same vessel being restored and united under one god with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others the things which matter so much to some people are no no longer signify much to them how could they right it's talking about social distinctions petty rivalries jealousies these are laughed out of continents right so i know if i'm seeing those things pop up in my life um you know i got some cleaning to do you know, that, that, uh, that connection is not there. You know, when I, when I see someone else and, you know, especially like if it's a sick person, um, and I'm judging them, 
I know that that's a reflection of me and where I'm at in my spiritual condition. But, um, you know, when I'm hooked up and, and I'm attuned to the welfare of others, you know, the God in me sees the God in them. And there's like, man, I recognize myself and I want to help, you know, because I've been there. And uh, I know that there's a way out of that. And, uh, it, you know, Ryan was talking and, and Mike, you kind of hinted at it too. You know, all the meetings that we have. Uh, I love how Sandy Beach says it, you know, and they're talking about some of the old timers. Uh, in AA and how they got by with so few meetings in the beginning. And, um, you know, one of the things they're like, you know, how did you do it? They're like, well, we prayed like crazy, you know, like they had to have that relationship with God. You know, there's um, the little asterisk down here. It says this is written in 1939. In 2015, there were over 115,326 groups. There is an AA activity in approximately 170 countries with an estimated membership of over 2 million. It's like you're in Broward County. Like you have a meeting every hour on the hour with within five miles of you. You've got AA conventions. You've got picnics. You've got dances. You've got talent shows. You've got workshops. You've got podcasts. You've got, you know, like YouTube, the list goes on and on and on. It's like, you hardly have to pray at all. You can just go to a meeting, right? There's no God reliance there. It's just, hey, let's go to a meeting, which is, we know, is not the solution, right? But it's hard not to fall into that, like, oh, I'm feeling icky. Let me go. You know, it's like I was, I was listening to a speaker the other day at a, at a local meeting, and they were sharing their experience. And here's somebody with, with 20 years, and, and I'm not faulting anything in, in their sobriety or anything. It just kind of made me sad to hear them share, like, you know, one thing I know when I'm you know, feeling X, Y, Z, you know, I'm at the dinner table and I'm just having a bad day. I know I can just leave without saying anything to my family and go to a meeting. And it's like, man, that's not Alcoholics Anonymous in my experience. You know, it's like there's, there is a solution here. If you have to reach out to another alcoholic, amen. You know, that's what it's about. Like, and meetings are great. That's how we meet our people. You know, we don't, I, me personally, I don't go seek them out in the hospital like they had to do. You know, they come to us, so we kind of have a, a luxury there. But it's like, uh, if that's my solution, you know, I think I'm I'm in the middle of the road uh, recovery there. So, um, you know, it's, it's just there's so much more to this. And and if uh, you're not there yet, it's okay. Grab one of these people that talks about being recovered and talks about having a lot of fun, and 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 ask them how they got there. Ask them to show you the way. It's cool because it says, you know. We know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, I'm jittery and all alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. And for those of us who have even touched that power a little bit, we know exactly what they're saying. Uh, To duplicate with such backing, what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And this book, it does it all for us. It's great. Like, all we have to do is read this book and do what it says. You know, there was a... There was a letter, you know, they're talking about the East and West and how they sprang up and all this. There was a letter from uh, Bill Wilson, and I think it might have been to Clarence Snyder, but uh, one of you people will correct me. And um, it it was written when he was first starting uh, the group in Cleveland about some of the success that specifically the Ohio groups had that the New York groups didn't, you know. And Bill shared his experience around, like, you know, we really kind of pussyfooted around the God idea when I brought it back to New York. And we just tried to make it like, you know, service and altruistic and this and that. And he's like, the recovery rates in the Ohio areas where God was the center that was the program, 
that's where the, high, the highest recovery rates. So, um, you know, some of the early members were able to learn from that. And then they wrote this book and they're like, hey, how about we just do it with this book? And uh, that's, you know, some of those really high recovery rates that we talk about every meeting uh, that they talk about in the, the Fords and the Prefits. So uh, I'm super grateful for all the meetings and all those cool events that we have around here so we can be with our people. But I'm super, super grateful for this book because it helped me to recover and live this uh, pretty cool life. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Barry. Hey, Barry. And uh, this chapter wraps up. And it is the the greatest locker room pep talk I've I've ever heard, and it gets me kind of fired up, and just provides a strong sense of gratitude that my sponsor took me from a place where I was jittery and alone, with a thousand different real and unrealistic fires that I needed to put out all at once, and uh, without diluting what this book instructs someone to do, he took me to the place where now I'm on a journey to achieve the the highest level, which is that of trusted servant and to a place where I can be a respectful and useful member of my own community. And it's all right here. Like, uh, like he said, it's beautiful. It's simple. And I'm extremely grateful to have been taken through it to get to this point. Thanks. Bill's story, page 15, very bottom. We meet frequently so newcomers can share about their day, complain about their bosses, gossip about other AA members, eat donuts. And no, it doesn't say that, does it? We meet frequently so newcomers may find the fellowship they seek, a fellowship of people who are recovered, who have one purpose being there and one purpose alone, which to help the untreated alcoholic get treated and have a relationship with God and get over alcoholism. Who in this room has had the opportunity to sit at a table, knee-to-knee, toe-to-toe with another untreated alcoholic and start to just read the book with them? What's better, going to an open discussion meeting for you or doing that? that? I've had guys that are in halfway houses that have the magical, you have to go to seven meetings a week in order to live in this halfway house, that I have sat with these guys and read and had fellowship for two to three hours working steps with people. And the halfway house managers say, oh, well, that doesn't count for a meeting. You need to get to I know it does, <laughs> right? But, but it's, that's an outside issue and stuff like that. But if you, you know, having gone through the steps, the best way to grow going forward is to sit down and read another. Is anybody here like looking to maybe work with a newcomer? Raise your hand. So if, if you're somebody here that's not in the book currently with somebody, you got a bunch of people you can go to for that. It's helped everyone who's done that, right? Anybody else got a little wrap-up? we got a couple medallions tonight. Let's so. wrap up. Yeah. Good. So I hope you guys come and visit us again next year. Everybody say goodbye to Peter. Have a nice Bye. night. Bye, Peter. And uh, this, is, this actually looks familiar from A Vision for You, page 164. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
but you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. It's not that hard to have a relationship with God. It's not saying there you have to have five years experience. It's like it's just a prayer meditation, just that beginning relationship. Again, don't let that scare you away from working with newcomers. You know, you have a book in front of you. You are willing to read with somebody. You're willing to give your time with somebody. That's all it takes. You read the book with them and God will get, you know, God doesn't call the qualified. Right. God qualifies those called. So if somebody asks you to read the book with them, you read the book and God will make it work for these guys. You don't have to have like a, a, a master's degree in therapy and life coaching and sober coaching to be a member of as a sponsor. Is that a thing? Sober you coaching? just have to be seeking God and willing to spend time with somebody, right? You're not pulling a sword from a stone. You're reading the big book. Man. Boom. Oh, well, I could do that now. So abandon yourself to God as... You understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows, but not during a, you know, don't do fist steps during open discussion meetings. It comes back to haunt you. I know that for sure. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you'll surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. Does anybody have a new uh, sponsee that they would like to introduce? Yeah, as in English. If you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and you've got a new sponsee, you want to officially introduce them to Alcoholics Anonymous so we see their face and we can come up to them afterwards, maybe get their phone numbers. This is the time we got this really fancy medallion to get that started. So just line up behind little Al and you can pass out the medallions. Hey, little Al. Hi, my name's little Al. Hey, I'm a recovered Al. alcoholic. Um, I, I would just like to introduce Michael to the group. Uh, I've been working with Michael for a little over a month, maybe a month and a half, and we're well into um, his fourth step and um, a lot of other things. So come get your medallion, Michael. Please say hi to me. Anyone else got a newbie they want to introduce? Oh, hi. You got to come on up here. That's that action part. All right, there you go. Hi, my name's Natalie. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Natalie. And I've been sponsoring Grace uh, for about three weeks. Grace came to me, and I feel blessed to have her in my life. Um, I feel like, you know, the time, you never know when it's going to happen, but... Um, I just feel so blessed to have her in my life because it's helping me more. I don't know if she realizes that, but um, I want to introduce Grace. Hi, Grace. (laughs) Honored you're here. Come back. Thank you. I'm going to introduce Todd. Uh, Todd, I met at the Thursday night meeting. We sat down to read a couple times, and we're uh, just kind of starting this journey. We read the preface and the forwards, read the doctor's opinion, and we're going to be reading... Bill's story. Real soon. That's it. Yeah, that's Todd. next. Todd, welcome. So if you have a year or more of continuous sobriety and you have somebody presenting you with a medallion, this would be that opportunity. So come on up. We'll give you the stick with the fuzzy thing. Hi, I'm Scott, recovered alcoholic. Uh, I'm giving a medallion tonight for uh, seven years of continuous sobriety. This guy has walked me through the steps, and he taught me a lot about ego uh, maintaining and controlling. I was probably sober about five weeks. We were waiting to go into a banquet at AA, 
And I'm bebopping around all happy and stuff. And he looks at me, he's like, what is up with you? And I go, I spent the whole weekend reading the big book. And as I see it, I'm ready for step nine. And he's like, you barely hold on to step one. Ego is like, many, many, many months later, I called him up and I said, hey, I have a sponsee. But I'm kind of nervous. I mean, what if I say something wrong and I mess it all up? And I can just see him on the phone rolling his eyes to God. It's like, dude, you're not powerful enough to, to hurt this guy. And about a month ago, I called him. I said, can you give my medallion out at the Monday night meeting? And he said, sure, I can. What's your name again, and how many months has it been? <laughs> <laughs> so, Victor, it's Scott, your sponsee. <laughs> Come get your medallion. Congratulations. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Victor. Hey, Victor. Um, August 31st, 2012, I was coming off a seven-year run. So for seven years, I didn't have a sober breath. And now I'm celebrating seven years with nothing but sober breaths. And it's an absolute miracle, and I, I love it. I mean, I... Uh, I can't explain um, how much I love life today. And I thought that life was something to be endured. Life was a struggle. Life was something that I just had to get by with. Um, and that's why alcohol and you know came to me as a solution to this life that I didn't like. When I went through the steps Alcoholics Anonymous, I started to see that I actually do love life. There is actually a beauty to life. And I get to live that life. I get to enjoy that life. I get to look people in the eyes and let them know who I am. I get to look myself in the mirror and get to know who I am. Um, you know, just some of the results besides family, friends, job, things like that, which are incredible. <laughs> I just had another result happen in my recovery. All right. Uh, I borrowed money from a good friend of mine in a blackout and didn't remember it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he reminded me at about four years of sobriety about it um, as I was making some other amends to him. And uh, I ended up being able to pay all that back, and it was great. Well, he just, uh, he just asked to borrow money from me. And uh, that's a miracle that he would see that. And the, the even better miracle is that I can lend it to him today. You know, and uh, I, I can enjoy a friendship that I couldn't enjoy before. Um, if you're new, uh, this is the best place going that I know of. Um, I, you know, walked in here, kind of crawled into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous after God saved my life. And... Uh, I didn't know how to breathe, really. I didn't know how to walk. I didn't know really how to do anything. And I was guided by all you wonderful people um, into how to live sober. For the first time, I wanted to live sober, but I didn't know how to. And you guys taught me how to. The book taught me how to. Um, I went through the steps. The third time, I went through the steps with Mike. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it keeps enhancing your life. So if you're new here, this is a great place to be. Um, get with somebody who's got that look in their eyes like they found a way out of hell. 
because uh, they can guide you out of hell. And if you're new, you might know what hell is like. We can guide you out of hell, and uh, it, it's a great journey. Thanks for letting me share. Alan, he needs a little coin, though. We had to stop by Fort Knox to get that. Um, Alan, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Alan. Uh, I'm presenting this one-year medallion to somebody, somebody extremely special to me, and, and I say very, very special. I've, been, I've known, uh, known this guy since uh, I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and if I could best describe this guy, I don't know if anybody's ever played wall ball, but this guy's the ball, and AA is the wall, and I watch this guy just bounce back and forth, bouncing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and I've seen alcohol take him on the craziest journeys and uh, got to witness that. What, what I did see is perseverance. He had nowhere else to turn, and he, he recognized that from day one. He just didn't know how to catch the solution uh, or was being told a lot of false information, in my opinion. But, but long story short is um, today I don't recognize the guy who, who sits here today. It's a miracle what one year of sobriety in the book and in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and what the power and grace of God does for somebody. But um, he's a sober man today who just had a beautiful baby boy. He's a few weeks old. And uh, I got to boast and brag. He, he gave him my middle, he gave him my name, as the middle name. So uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah. Little Al. Little Al. <laughs> so, little Al. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a dear, he's, he's uh, something that God put us together and can't separate. And, uh, and I'm grateful you're here, Nate. I, Come on I up and tell us how you did it. Recovered alcoholic named Nate. Nate. It's really cool to hold a one-year medallion. I was like... I almost came close in a previous recovery. I had like 11 months, but the main attempt at recovery was more or less just uh, hanging on by the seat of my pants. But um, I don't know, August 12th of uh, 2018, you know, I finally, uh, despite my greatest efforts to die, God didn't let me. And uh, he sent a pretty clear message to me, so I kind of turned to what I had already been told i finally started doing the steps i got a great sponsor i listened to what he said and um god did the rest you know and it's been an amazing journey so far i'm learning now um that like one year isn't like a plateau or i mean it's a nice milestone i get a medallion i get to come and talk but like life is still life and uh, it's a whole different side of recovery that i'm experiencing now you know dealing with the character defects and my shortcomings as a man and uh, learning to be a man of God and a man of integrity. And um, it's a really cool experience. It's a painful one, but it's a cool experience. I got blessed uh, with a beautiful son when I'd given away a family more than once. So that's an amazing thing. Um, God definitely restores. And uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to uh, where this journey is going to take me. Mm, thanks for letting me share, guys. Uh, does anybody need a sponsor? Is anybody running sponsorless right now if you'd like to get one? If you're shy, you don't want to talk to anybody, come on up front and we'll introduce you to some people, get you connected with somebody so you can stop living a life that sucks. <laughs> right? Is that bad English? 
No, it's great, okay. man. It's true. Okay, cool. If you'd like to become a member of this group, please join us after the meeting and uh, fill out one of our membership cards, i.e. your name and phone number and email. Uh, can all home group members raise your hands? They're going to stick around and help tear down the meeting. Fantastic. Uh, uh, great. We'll see you after the... Yeah, you already said that. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope to see you next week. Are we doing a meeting here next week? Yeah, we're having a meeting this next week. We oh. were, we were, it was kind of, but I checked with the church and they're going to let us come in. So Ooh. come in next week. By the way, next week starts a whole new phase of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know how we're not supposed to talk about certain things in AA meetings because it's like... Prohibited. AA, prohibited, non-conference approved type stuff. Bring your friends who have alcoholism in addition to Andas. Because we go into Dr. Bob's nightmare, which is a bunch of and stuff all over the place. So you can talk freely about anything you did in relation to the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. So all your friends that are a little shy about AA because we're not allowed to talk about certain things, for the next few months you can talk about those things. Uh, Thursday evenings are Alcoholics and God Step Series workshops starting at 7.15. Some of us like to get here at about 5.30 to help set up. 6.30 to fellowship. And if you would, please wait until you're 75 feet from the door. Uh, of the church exiting to smoke and vape. Yeah, by the way, last Thursday you missed a great talk with Doc H, which we have online at alcoholicsandgod.org for your listening pleasure. Um, we got Peter M coming back and he's in his sixth session. We have, we're breaking a brand new uh, month of a chairperson by Shay. Give us a wave, Shay. He'll be leading the group, which is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to have some great jokes. It's going to be an amazing opportunity to get to know God better through the process and friends of Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow, that was good. Should we close with the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, let's uh, everybody get quiet and chill down a tad. If we let him, who's going to bring us from shame to grace? Monday, Godspeed. Body's heavy, shoulders thirsty, body's aching. I'm desperately in need of restoration.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life 
blooms are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time, right outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart, yeah. Just about to smile. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in like a tire. And I play my songs, and people sing along, and stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted I see the light Count my blessings When I go to sleep at night And I dream now Yeah, I dream now And everything's alright <laughs> Oh, man Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.